0: Climax, Bobby, Bobby, check Bobby one, Boucher. Two, check, check, Let's check. Go. Let's do it, man. Whoa. In the attic. That's it. Dr. Gold. Croc mode. Welcome aboard. Tell me about this Taylor Swift after party. Was oh, it man. a
1: bachelorette situation? Yeah, so we did a wedding, Omni William Penn, right? to 11 p.m. And then they hit me with, can you do our after party from 11 to 12? Yep. Yeah. I can do it, yeah. But I have my equipment already set up. Now I gotta like disconnect, run over to the next room, set my controller down. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of tough. But well, it's
0: just you're still rocking a controller, no, no, twelve yeah. hundreds uh,
1: uh, at the wedding. No, it it depends if they ask for it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But usually, it just goes over their heads anyway. They don't know what you're playing on. You know,
0: nobody I mean, wants to hear scratching at a no. wedding,
1: and I don't. And I don't do that at a wedding. But I feel. At my best when I am on turntables, Yeah, if that makes sense. You learned on turntables? Yeah.
0: yeah. With vinyl or was Serato era?
1: Uh, it was right in the mix. Yeah, yeah. Right in the mix. Like, I started out on vinyl, and literally, like, within a month or two, they were like, hey.
0: We got this got new me? shit.
1: Yeah, and I'm just like, oh,
0: my God. This was it Serato or Torque or, or like, Cerato. Virtual DJ? Or... I was using Serato. Right away. Yep. Yeah, it was, like, Scratch Live. Yep. Serato then... Scratch Live, yeah. Do you remember like the initial feeling of trying to like, can you describe what it felt like to have that technology or like when somebody explained to you that you could play MP3s on records? Right.
1: Well, so I was new to the DJ game in general. So playing on the vinyl, I mean, you know how hard it is to play on regular vinyl, (laughs) just knowing like, you know, the BPM of it, you know, where to drop the needle having a heavy hand to make the needle skip that's, you know, that was my problem right off the bat. You know, everybody has that heavy hand. Right. And it was just like such a pain. And then my boy was like, Hey, Serato just dropped this update. Check this out. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, he's like, you could put any song on these pieces of blank vinyl. And I'm like, yeah, this is a game changer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Was it, it's a European country company, right? I don't know.
1: I think so. That might be European. Sound that sounds right to me. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I remember the customer service was has always been real interesting. Yeah.
1: I still have the Scratch Live Records. Oh my (laughs) (laughs) Those are originals right there, man.
0: Uh yeah, pretty early. That was like um pianos and stuff and Blonox. I think probably. With the phase control. Do you think phase was as big of a jump forward? as like that initial piece of technology no i think
1: no i think that was the problem it had to be right because i mean you're taking everything from lifting crates up and down steps and carrying them and doing all that put it right onto that you know mixer i think that would be bigger but phase is definitely a game changer though for sure did you have a big record collection or you were i didn't i had like when i started i probably had 30 pieces of vinyl one crate and it was just from you know hand-me-downs other DJs, hey, you can have this, you know, so I would just mess around with those. But you already had a career, like, right? Is... Well, no, at that time I didn't. I was still in college. So, like, I just started college when I had. And so that's it's... when I fell in love with it. My boy, Underdog, took me to a wedding. He was like, I'll give you 60 bucks to, like, just hang out with me and carry, you know, some, some stuff, right? Yeah, carry some stuff. Yeah. And uh, this was actually before Serato. So he still had, like, the CDs cases right yeah so he had like hockey bags filled with cases of cds the big
0: cd booklets
1: yeah that i had to like carry and lug right wasn't that bad but when i went with him and did that first wedding and i seen him control that crowd i'm like man i love music like i want to do this that's how i kind of got into it
0: were you already a musician no you just loved listening just
1: love music man was
0: it just hip-hop or was there something else that resonated with you
1: i'm a big hip-hop guy So like my brother He's 10 years older than me He was I would sneak into his room Steal his Cassettes You know Jay-Z Stuff like that And um I was big hip-hop Underdog The guy who taught me He's big hip-hop He's old school Tribe Called Quest uh, Gang star I love that When When I started going with him To weddings He would be playing that stuff before And I would just be like Oh my god Like I like this a lot Like you know what I mean Like that's when they told stories You know what I mean Like during like it, it was just, I don't know It was just a better time, I think, for music in general back then But, um, yeah, I fell in love with, like, the hip-hop And then just seeing him control that crowd Like, that was, like, amazing to me I'm like, oh, my God, I could do this You know what I mean? So then just going with him over and over again Learning his, like, you know, philosophy on, on DJing and, and weddings Like, I still use a lot of his tricks, like, today in my weddings You know what I mean? Like, just the way it's set up Yeah Because he was, like, he's the GOAT when it comes to weddings he's the GOAT. Like, I've, I mean, we've all been to how many weddings, right? I bet you can't count on one hand how many good DJs you've heard at weddings, right? So like Underdog, he was just like the standard. I, you know, I took a little bit of what he does, mixed in now a little bit of stuff like that I do. And now I have like a good little twist. So.
0: And was it, I mean, I guess wedding, it was being a wedding DJ from the very beginning. Yeah. And, and you still do it.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I started off um, doing—actually, I didn't really start off doing my own weddings yet. I wasn't that, like, good. Um, What I did do was I got my own under-21 club gig out in Bethel Park. It was called Level 20. Okay. Right? Rich guy opens up a nightclub just for his 12-year-old son to have friends and hang out. That was the only reason why they opened this up. I think it's, like, a successful restaurant now which is great for them. But I think at the time, he opened this up just for his kid to have fun, hang out with his friends. Wow! Paid me to do it. After, like, a summer of collecting checks, went out and bought my own equipment. Didn't have to, you know, use any hand-me-down stuff or, you know, from friends. Got all my own gear. Started practicing, like, every day in my bedroom. Practice, practice, practice. Started getting a couple gigs here and there. And then, you know, that's when, like, I started to meet, like, Nugget, guys like that, Zimmy. Bonix, all those guys. Then I started to, like, really get into DJing, and I'm like, wow. That's when, like, Wim, Station Square was open, and the only three guys I could DJ there were Bonix, Zimmy, and Nugget. They didn't let anybody else, and that's when I was like, man, I want to be one of those DJs. So I remember
0: one night I was hanging out with Bonix and Nugget after Nugget had just played uh, Wim. Um, it was, like, 2.30. I was hanging out with Bonix at um, Bar Room, and we went. Oh, we man. walked over to Wim to, like, meet up with nugget to drive back to mount washington because they lived in apartments right next door to each other right and um we go to pick up nugget and he was too drunk to get down from the dj booth <laughs> i don't know if you remember when was like this yeah yeah big, it was all yeah thing yeah it was so random because <laughs> it was it wasn't like there was any room to hang out up there yeah right it was just like exactly this little about. tiny pyramid almost right like that was 20 feet up elevated right. with Maybe 16 steps to get up to it. It's just a weird layout. Um, he just like rolls down those <laughs> stairs. Like,
1: <laughs> hit, I'm gonna ask him about that tonight.
0: Everyone he will not remember. Oh my god. It was awesome. He was so fine. He was totally fine though. Maybe from right. the break dancing. He just kind of yeah. like capoeira his way, like <laughs> and oh my um god, I just pictured that. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um Yeah, those were good times. I feel like, um, so what was it that, was it just the crowd reaction? Were you interested in battling or scratching? Was it like the hip hop, like the other elements of hip hop? What kind of drew you in?
1: I think it was being a performer. Yeah. Like I couldn't sing, can't rap, right? I grew up in Carrick, you know, Allentown, Bell Suver, um, you know, I wanted to have that stage presence, but here I'm not good at any instruments, <laughs> stuff like that. When I got on the turntables, I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I am. Like, because Underdog told me, like, you know, you don't have to be the best at mixing, the best at scratching, the best at this and that. Music selection is, like, key when it comes to DJing. And, like, you know, I I learned that over the years. You know what I mean? I've seen a lot of good DJs that are, like, capable of doing some of the craziest stuff on turntables, fill in for me at gigs. And the next day they're like, don't ever bring this guy back because like he didn't know what to play. Yep. He could sit there and scratch and do and juggle all day long. But like the college girls, I don't know the dance floor. They don't care. Not at all. They want to hear Like you got to just know what songs to play. You know what I mean? And that's why I give, I know I probably shouted him out eight times already, but underdog man, he's his music selection is like top notch. I think that's why he's so success, successful, successful yeah. today yeah. because like, you know what I mean? Like, he can he can DJ an 80-year-old's birthday party, a bar mitzvah, to a club down in Southside tonight. You know what I mean? So, like Do you have an
0: idea about where he built his library from? Was it all old records or tapes? He's just or... a music
1: head, man. He just, just loved music, just like CDs, me. Just Yeah, just from all the way back then, CDs, collecting, listening to music. Like I said, he was a big hip-hop guy. Um, And, yeah, that's how I fell in love with it, too. And then, like I said, watching him take control of the crowd at these weddings and having them all, you know— on the Singing dance along, floor. oh, that like was just
0: finishing the bars. That amazing, yeah. Record. And I'm
1: like, I love music too. Like I can do this, and that's when I just started practice. And like I would go up in my room, a room just like this, and I would sit there and I would just like you know mix songs together all day. You went out and bought your first set of techniques, or yep. what did you? Techniques, did man. Yeah. Let me tell you this story. I bought them like right before Christmas. Saved up. I think there was 600 a piece. Yep. They came with the dust covers. Ordered them online. Right. UPS guy shows up. Like maybe two weeks before Christmas, and I see the dude get out of the car. I'm all excited. I'm in my room. I'm watching. I'm like, "Oh, I can't wait for him to bring these out." Comes out with this little envelope, <laughs> right? Walks over and drops it in my mailbox, and I'm like, uh, "That?" I'm like, "What is that?" Like that can't, you know? I go down. I check it. Pull it out. Name of the sender is the sender that's sending me the turntables. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, open it up. It was. A iPad case, he sent me. It was a scam, basically. Wow. So he sent me, an... so now here I am, two weeks before Christmas, right? Devastated. Yeah. I go on the. It's a nice like, scam, though. It was. Yeah. Was I, it eBay? Yeah, it was eBay. I yeah. went on there. I threatened this dude. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm gonna hunt you down, man. You what, better send me these. Turns where up. was
0: he? Was was it in California or Florida or like in the U.S. or was? Yeah, it? he was from
1: Philadelphia, yeah, and I remember yeah. like looking him up, and I like. <laughs> I went on a full detective mode, man. This might have been like my early version of policing, but I went full detective, found out where he went to high school, where he lived. I found all that out. And I'm like, hey man, listen, I know you go to, you know, Jefferson Hills middle school or, you know, high school and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he just immediately was like, I'll send you the money. Sorry. It was a mistake. I sent I'm like, oh, okay. Sure. You you mixed up the turntables with the with the case, right? So he sent me my money back. I ordered them from somebody else. They came. They were supposed to come. That was the year we had, like, I don't know, 20 feet of snow in Pittsburgh. (laughs) So, like, for a week, I couldn't get them because everything was delayed. So I made my dad drive down to the UPS place and pick them up. Like, risk everything, right, to get these turntables. Yeah, yeah. Brought them back, set them up on my kitchen table, and left them there for, like, two weeks. And just I just, like, practiced. And they were like, listen, you got to take this shit upstairs. (laughs) I just gotta go. You had to like, like yeah, you had to come up I with I have table. to hear like shots one more time. <laughs> oh, that's
0: funny. That's that was the music that was going on. Yeah, so it would have been like, like, like 2009, 2009 10 or two thousand eight, nine. You were in high school or college? Or? I just started college, yeah. Which was what college? Uh Point Park. Oh wow. Yeah. And what made you choose Point Park? Uh what you what were you trying to do with your life?
1: Man, at that point I had no idea. The reason why <laughs> I chose that place was because <laughs> I think my like my sister's two best friends went there, and they were like, oh, it's a great school. It's right, you know, I live right up in Allentown, so it would take me five minutes to get there. I wanted to commute. I didn't want to go, you know, to any bigger universities or anything like that. So, Point Park was close. I'm a city boy. Felt right. I actually got a baseball scholarship. So,
0: Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. That's
1: why I kind of I
0: ended you up You and Wade, the big athletes. Um. Wade Anthony, okay. Wade Anthony Jr. Yeah. just had him on. Just posted his uh, episode, but he was at Duquesne for football. Okay, as a cornerback. Nice. That's how he ended up in the sneaker culture, but it's interesting. So, okay. so I mean, but college baseball is a big deal. Yeah. I guess you were playing varsity all four
1: years of high school and yeah. So the thing about that was, yeah, I played varsity, uh, Carrick. Yeah. Um, back a little bit before that, uh, Mount Oliver used to have like a really big. Um, City League Like we used to have So many kids there And we had the best Baseball teams
0: So Carrick And then Point Park I didn't yeah. even know There were sports At Point Park I thought yeah. Point Park
1: Was all like Drama Right musical It was Like when I started there I think like the only Real Men's team Was baseball I think that was The only thing at the time I could be wrong But yeah, it was, yeah. I mean I showed up to classes I'd be the only guy In the class of like 50 You know what I mean That was like Almost every class and i didn't it's not a bad look yeah it's not bad but yeah so we started out mount oliver our team was great and then like when we started going to high school everybody was going to carrick my parents wanted to send me to central catholic and i'm like i'm not going to central um you know all my friends were going to carrick and you know finally they let me go to carrick which was a huge mistake like carrick was awful um (laughs) Just the worst like um, the quality of education wasn't yeah high. yeah yeah that and just you know going because joe through, like, wasn't the principal he wasn't yet no he didn't turn that around yet no <laughs> but yeah it was bad you had to go through like three different metal detectors to even walk through the door there's only one Fuck. door open every morning so there was a line um just wow so much trouble but anyway we went there thinking oh we'll you know we'll bring that powerhouse baseball team to carrick and we did and we won like city championships but I don't think it was worth the education and you know just it was just a bad school but um
0: when did you end up in the police academy
1: That was um, 2012
0: and was it you were already DJing but you kind yeah, of so, felt like you needed a 9 to 5 to fill right. in the gaps or something or yeah, what was so it I or started, felt called to serve or
1: Well so um yeah I would say my senior year of college was when i started to really get good at djing that's when like i did my first dj battle at the Goldmark. mark um and i won that so like after winning that that's when like people started to know my name started booking me at other clubs and then you know my sister came to me and my sister's kind of like my second mom right she's like my mom's enforcer <laughs> and um she's like you know you need to get a, a real job you know, and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, like I'm graduating, whatever. And she was a cop at the time for the city of Pittsburgh. Interesting. So, and also her fiance at the time was also a city cop. They're now married. Um, but she was like, hey, listen, the police test is coming up. They're doing a mass hiring. Like, just take the test. Even if you don't want to be a cop down the line, this is like a long process. You have time to think about it. So I'm like, okay. So I took the original test. Next thing you know, like, I was just speeding through everything, and they were, like, handing me, like, a badge and a gun. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow, this, you know,
0: <laughs> what happened here? They really needed, I guess, more police they officers in like so Pittsburgh.
1: right at that time, and they still do to this day, but um, right at that time, so many people retired, and they put on, like, maybe, like, five classes. And I was, like, in that first class, so immediately I had, like, seniority. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these people, all these classes coming after me.
0: I remember this. I have a great story for this. Uh, And I was just thinking about it today because somebody was talking about working at McDonald's. My first day, I walked into the McDonald's on Plymouth Road in Ann Arbor. The guy gives me a mop and a bucket. He says, you're new. It's your first day. You have to go clean the bathroom. I go, damn. Clean the bathroom. Go home. Day two, I show up. There's a new person standing next to me. The guy looks at me. He goes, hey. You got to clean them. You're new. You got to clean the bathroom again. Hands me the mop in the bucket. I look over to the right. Hand the mop in the bucket to the person who showed up the day after me. Right. So like, you know, you never want to be the very bottom of the totem pole.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) Especially (laughs) like in the police force, because like that's how you get your past days, your Uh, days off. Like, um, you know, when they hold people for overtime. They go right at the bottom and start there. So, yeah, having coming out and having people below you is, like, unheard of. You know, there's, like, all these old-timers, 25 years on the job that are, like, you know, you're lucky you have all these people coming out. Because we had, they're, you know, some of them would go for years and still be at the bottom. You know what I mean? And especially with, like, picking past days. After, like, two years on the job, I had, like, a, you know, a Friday, Saturday off. And that's unheard of. Yeah, like yeah. Some old guys are like, listen, it took me 20 years to get a Friday-Saturday off.
0: Did you work with Jay Spinn?
1: I didn't. He was uh, he was like a suburbs cop.
0: You were in the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah. What was your beat? Or what um, were you doing?
1: So when I came, when I started, I was zone one, which is the north side of Pittsburgh, night turn.
0: Yeah. I used to DJ at the um, North, what was it called? Northside Tavern. Okay. I think it's called. Um, the place where you can put the peanut shells on the floor. Yeah. It was not the best neighborhood. I remember ducking from gunshots by the park when I was leaving the gig with my mom. Both of us were kinda hiding behind her Subaru. Jesus. Just like waiting for the gunshots to stop. And
1: Yeah, the north side, I mean it's a big zone. The one thing I liked about it, it had a little bit of everything. You had like the nice part of Brighton Heights, you know, where people would wave to you, say, Hey, how you doing today? You know, thank you. For your service-type people, right? Yeah. And then you got, like, yeah. then you got the North Shore, which is just, like, the drunks on the weekends, right? The Taco Bell down there. <laughs> it's, like, you could just sit there and get a DUI. When everybody it's coming through Taco Bell at 2 a.m. Oof. Um, and then you just, and then we have a couple projects around um, some bad areas. So, like, if you wanted to go hang out up in the, in the nicer area and shake hands and kiss babies, you could do that. If you wanted to go out and, you know, chase gangbangers, you could do that. Was it really like that? Like, they would let you do whatever you wanted to do? Well, so that zone, usually they'll assign uh, different cars to different areas in the zone. Like, you work Mount Washington. You work Southside. Our zone was just like a floating zone. Just go wherever you wanted. Yeah, and you're not walking. You're in a cruiser. Yeah, I was in a cruiser. Driving around. Yeah. With a partner. Sometimes.
0: Sometimes by yourself.
1: Yeah, well, when I first started, the first day... The lieutenant, I'll never forget this, he, we were doing roll call. You have When you first get in there, you have to do a roll call, right? You have to stand there with your asp, which is like your baton thing, right? You stand there, and they call your name, and then you, you know, here, you know, put your arms under, fold them, right? And I'm sitting there, like, all new, right? Everybody comes in. I'm sitting there with my shined boots, my, you know, my my pants were all... Pressed, pressed cleaned, cleaned, yeah. cleaned, everybody else kind of came in, like, looking like they've been there for years and just miserable, And I come in, I'm just like, you know, here, and and the lieutenant looks at me, he goes, you're new, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, like, you know how to drive the police car yet? I'm like, yeah. He's like, throws me the keys. He's like, all right, you're on your own tonight. On your first day? Yeah, he's like, you got a phone with GPS? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, you'll be good. Keys. And I'm just like, now I'm not from the north side. I'm from the south side, all right? I've never... like really go over to the north side Unless it was like a pirate game yep. Steeler game And I don't yeah. know any streets So that's one thing I was super nervous I'm like I don't know any I don't know where to go And you would think Police cars have GPS in them Sure Right? You think that it just pops up Oh no I mean I don't know what they have now But like You had to
0: know where you were going You
1: Yeah Everybody pulled it up on their phone so not only am I working a phone, a computer, plus driving at high speeds. <laughs>
0: with, with a gun with the, on right, your belt.
1: Right. So, like, it was, it was tough. And, um, you know, an old guy told me right off the bat, he's like, listen, you're only going to need to know, like, three streets. He's mm-hmm. like, just know those three streets and you'll be good. And those were, like, literally the only streets that things happened on. Yeah. So, like, at first, I, like, I got it. And then, like, East know, Ohio. East Ohio was one, yeah. Yep. East Ohio. um. Brighton Road, and then like California, yeah, just like those three like major roads that kind of get you Perrysville Avenue, just to kind of get you everywhere you needed to go. Why'd you stop, man? That's like how many how how much time do we got, man?
0: <laughs> Until you burn out from from the heat. We can take <laughs> little
1: breaks and turn on the air Listen, conditioner periodically. So this is a, this is a big. This is actually, I'm, I am allowed to talk about it now. So this is the first time I'm like actually talking about it on like a podcast radio. Crazy story, man. Um, so little backstory, I was in the North Side for four uh, I, I wanna say it was six years at the time. Um during that time, I wasn't like the gang banger cop that went out and got drugs, guns, and did all that. Like for one, like we were so short handed all the time. If you would go out and you would do that stuff, then like you weren't available for backup if someone really needed it so like i would you know we got so many 911 calls every day like so many we're so busy i couldn't do my own things like the suburbs those guys can sit at stop signs they can you know do their little investigations we're just constantly (laughs) running right so um and what kind of like what kind of calls would it be domestic violence gunshots like anything yes anything pursuits accidents Pursuits, shootings, those were like an everyday occurrence. Um, Like, for instance, like my sister out in the suburbs, she'll get like maybe two calls a night. And it might be like, hey, these kids are in the park after 11. Firecrackers. Right? I'm like, you know, I had 30 calls tonight. Two of them were pursuits where we chased people all the way through McKee's rocks. Um, You know, there was a rape that we like actually pulled up on and we had to like chase the guy and like it was just craziness. It was legit craziness. It, like, every day you go into work in the city, you never knew, like, what you were going to see or what you were going to do. You are wearing body armor? Some da- yeah. Some days, like, you walk in the door, and there would be something going off right at roll call, and you didn't even have a roll call. You had to get in your car and, like, fly up there, you know? Some days you might come in, and nothing might happen. You might just be sitting there. So, like, it, it was wild. It was definitely, that's one thing why I loved the job, because it was something new every single day. I wasn't like a paper pusher dude. Like, I couldn't go sit behind a desk and sit there and do the same stuff every day. This was cool. Um, I loved the north side. I moved to the PM shift, which was 3 to 11, which was great for me in my 20s because, like, I would be off by, like, 1030, and go play I could a go show. out. I could go out. I could go down to the north shore. I could go to south Shore. Were side. you DJing or no? So I stopped DJing for a little bit because during the police academy, which was, like, 11 months, I didn't really have time to do that. Um, once I got out, I was Tuesday, Wednesdays off, so I didn't have yeah, not the, the biggest, weekends. Not so the after, biggest. like, two years, and I was still doing, like, a gig here and there, but after, like, two years, that's when I was able to get, like, uh, Thursday, Friday off, and then I would, you know, I would bank all this extra comp time instead of taking money for, like, court and stuff, and once you get, like, eight hours, it was a day off whenever you wanted So, everybody else is taking the double time and a half because they need the extra money. Here, I had like, you know, little DJ gigs where I was making extra money. So, I would take comp hours. And then, like, when the summertime came, I would have, you know, a stack of these days and I would just blow through them. I would start taking three day weekends. You know, I would start taking Saturdays off. So, then I would start getting back into the DJ game a little bit. Nice. And then, did you
0: miss it? Like, when you took time off for the police academy and things? Oh,
1: yeah. Because that's when I was starting to get hot. I won like my first DJ battle. battle. Uh, People were starting to book me at that time. Before that, I was doing spring break in Daytona Beach where they would pay me for the full month to go down there during March.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me the story of the Goldmark. It sounded insane. insane. Who who, who was the connection
1: for that? Or you can't, I don't want to Derek for real you. No, no, no. The connection was somebody that was related to like my dad's side of the family. It was like a second cousin. Right? Oh wow. Like a second third cousin. Yeah. They ran this place called the Hawaiian Inn, which was um this hotel down in Daytona Beach and they ran like the Hawaiian show inside and they ran the pool bar outside. Yep. So they didn't really own the hotel. They just owned that and the pool bar. Well, they hired me to come down to work the pool bar mm-hmm. the whole month and like I would get in trouble every day by security because like the homeowners in the hotel would hate the spring break stuff, right? And yeah, that's what yeah. the pool bar people catered to, like the spring breakers. But um, yeah. Anyway, so I did that the full month. Those were awesome. Um, so like I had to stop doing those because I was a cop now. I couldn't take off a full month. Um, it would be like
0: um, like April or March. March? Yeah, it was a full, yeah, full yeah, all of March basically, yeah, full,
1: and like the first two weeks are bike week, and then. It's spring break Well it's spring break The whole month But the first two weeks Are bike week But those were always The toughest Because I would have A crowd Of like The badass bikers And then like These like college girls Right But I learned Like as long as I kept Kept those college girls Dancing Those bikers didn't care They loved it mm. You know what I mean Yeah, yeah But yeah. that was uh, So anyway That's why I stopped um, Doing those gigs I love those But I had to stop those For the police force um, And then you know Back to the police thing Um I would say maybe, like, I would say maybe, like, five years into it, that's when, you know, I started to DJ a lot more, um, get more gigs and stuff like that, and that's when everybody started noticing, like, oh, my God, you're a DJ? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I DJ, and they would never believe it. And when I'm DJing, no one would believe I'm a cop, right? So... You know, some of the administration scene Like, you know, I'm a DJ They'd always see, like, what I would be doing out in public I was the cop that, like, you know Stopped and played basketball with the kids Um, I did a couple uh Dances for Propel School Over in the north side Where, like, I would show up in full uniform Turntables, DJ their, like, dances And they, would, like, the kids would come up, like Blown out of their mind, like Oh my god, like, you can't play this Like, you're a cop That's so and, cool. it, and it was just, like I wanted to show them, like, listen. I'm just like you, just because I had this uniform on. You know what I mean? Like, Think I love about how many hip-hop. lives you
0: might have affected by that. I mean, right. how so many kids like just grow up with yeah. this
1: idea that right. the police
0: is the enemy, pig mm-hmm. this, pig that, and you know, you, you, I mean, who knows how
1: many lives you saved, man? Right. So that's li- crazy. So like, I try to tell them, I'm like, listen. It doesn't matter what color you are, who you work for, whatever you do. I'm like, music's music. Everybody loves it. So that was one way to like you know, you know, talk with you know younger kids about music, and they would just be like fascinated that I knew like like some of the artists that they were that they liked. I'm like I like them too, and they're just like wow, like I didn't think like cops were allowed to like this music. You know what I mean? That was like the truth. Sure, they were like baffled, in a way. So I did all that stuff. I love that stuff. I love working with kids. After like uh, six years now in. My commander came to me and was like, hey, I want to make you like the neighborhood resource officer. So basically, you're going to have your own little station up in, uh, I think it was like Troy Hill. We'll set you up with a computer. You can handle all like, you know, we get so many 911 calls every day. Um, Say the same person keeps calling every single day. Well, you might not get the same cop. You might get a different cop. They might tell you a different story. They might not know what's going on with you and your neighbor. So they wanted a guy like me To kind of go handle those calls. And like know these people. So right before we started to do that. That's when I moved over to Crafton Heights. Moved out off of Climax Street. That's where the name came from by the way.
0: No it was um, was, uh, porn work I thought.
1: Yeah no it wasn't. It was actually Climax Street. Over in Allentown. When did you get your name? Underdog after the first wedding I worked with him. He dropped me off and he was like. You know I got to call you DJ Climax right? And I was like. Yeah, cool. And it just stuck.
0: It was like even before you had really started working, so it was like you're
1: yeah. That's so awesome. it just like it stuck. Um, you know, truthfully, like I still don't even like the name to this day. <laughs> um, but the people are like, dude, it's the best. Like keep it. But I'm like, how many weddings or gigs did I lose out on just because of my name? You know what I mean? Like, hey, I booked DJ Climax for the for my wedding. Yeah, you know? I was definitely a
0: little shocked the first time I heard it. But I think that's kind of cool. I mean, for so me, it's it always say, like yeah. a little bit edgy. It's a little bit, um, you know, it's very, it's sort of powerful, right? right. You know, I want to have sex educators and like sex workers and sex therapists and things on my podcast. Right. I, I try to make it a point to ask every single patient about their sex lives, Right. Uh, it's You know, we have this whole puritanical thing in this country where we just have to pretend that we're non-sexual beings. Yeah, right. right, We put up this blockade (laughs) in front of ourselves like we're just these kind of aliens with no sex organs that just like, you know, uh, all the babies are just coming from nowhere. You know, the the stork, right? Mm -hmm. The stork is the Mm -hmm. perfect Mm -hmm. example.
1: It is. Why
0: is there a fucking stork (laughs) that flies in and holds the baby in its mouth? It's because we can't talk about sex. It's this right. dirty little secret. Right. And then th- this idea that we could be getting pleasure. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. no, that's a that's a whole nother level. You know, the idea that you might enjoy it, that right. you might enjoy your body, that you might, um, you know, uh, have that, ha- have an experience for yourself, um, without being called a hedonist, um it's dangerous it's very dangerous and sexual liberation movements in this country have always been met with resistance always right the hippies you know they were derided they were called you know dropouts tune in oh yeah turn on dropout uh drug addicts etc but what were they really talking about They were talking about right. sexual liberation burn the bra um free love right um not having to get married in order to have kids not having to get married in order to make love or have a partner sexual partner abandoning these mores like um like uh just having one sexual partner or just right. ha- just being in a relationship with one person and just living yeah. with one person people were living in communes right my parents lived in communes wow um yeah out in oregon portland oregon outside portland oregon bend okay. oregon outside you know in colorado different places um so I always thought it was very powerful. I thought that it was definitely it. Ha- it sounded a little dangerous, and and I think it's it's cool, but it probably did lose you one or two corporate gigs.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Like I, <laughs> I actually had one couple book me and go. Listen, is there any way you could just not say your DJ name? And I'm like what do you mean they're like well you know how djs have like their drops and stuff they were like could you just not there's no way they said drops yeah
0: they I'm, did not. yeah no. i'm like they said you know how they play their name or something probably i don't know
1: yeah probably <laughs> don't know what but a drop is man yeah um you know that, that's what i was I <laughs> yeah, was yeah you're that. interpreting I know. right and i'm like yeah i'm like i don't usually do that anyway you know and they're like okay cool and they were like well what about like you know do you have any banners or, or anything with your name on it? And I'm like, no. Nah. I was like, <laughs> I have a sticker on my computer that says DJ Climax. they were like, oh well, you think you could cover that up? <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, as long as you're paying me, I'll I'll be DJ Rock and Bob if you need me to be. <laughs> like, I... you um Rock and
0: Bob is pretty good, not bad. I mean, have you thought about doing a like a second name or having a second like alter ego? Because that's definitely a thing. I mean, a lot of the techno DJs, for example, or even Buku right he's this right. local um dubstep i would say right. artist who has this new project which is a house or techno project and so he used a different name there's a lot of examples yeah um, right caribou and daphne is another one right but i mean there's you know rl grime is i think like two or other two or three other right. artists yeah so i don't know you could
1: yeah i thought about it um you know during that, but everybody's just like dude you gotta stick with climax man we just so love good. it we just you know and I and I just always stuck with it but like I said like you know it's just it's one of those words everybody you know immediately goes to the gutter with right like oh you're Dj climax you know and then like it's even more weird when like your mom introduces you to somebody and she goes oh this is Dj climax myself you know and I'm just like oh like it's just weird you know but I mean, it's the cl- I'm the climax of the night, basically.
0: <laughs> you know, so, I hope not. You know, yeah, no. The, the music was never supposed to be. The music was always supposed to be an opportunity to meet someone and have a <laughs> have a relationship with yeah. afterwards, right? I mean, right. that's how I always thought about it. As right. a DJ, it was like my role was never to be the highlight of the night. My role was to connect people right. to set people you. up to right. have a like to take take somebody home, you know? Um, this, at least in some gigs, you know, depending right. on the thing. But no, I hear you, like the climax of the night, high point of the night, high point of the evening. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a literature also about guitar solos, which is the same for DJ solos, if you're scratching, or for a DJ performance, I any performance, right. which has to do, and it's also the same thing with literature, which has to do with intro Exposition, climax, and denouement, which is the egress or the afterplay. Yeah, right, right, right. So, do you think about that those phases when you're constructing like a wedding set or something like that? Like, there's this peak, and then you're kind of
1: yeah. Like I kind of do that now. Like I uh, like Saturday nights. I'm at Enclave down. You know, I can't wait to go on Carson. And is it every Saturday? Yeah, if I'm not at a wedding. So who does it if you're not? Uh so right now we got like three three of our main dude well, me included, but it's me, B Ren, and Solo Dolo. Where do I know the name Solo Dolo from? He does a lot, man. He's um he's all over the place. Yeah. Does a lot of gigs.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And B Ren was there when I saw you at at Gold Rush. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very solid. Oh solid. He's a dad too. I remember he posted some Father's Day stuff, right? Uh, no, the no, other no. Guy. You're thinking of I'm Bryce. I'm thinking of Bryce, Bryce, yeah, Bryce, Bryce Gordon and B-Ren. Yep. I can't tell the difference. One of them is a big TikTok.
1: B-Ren. B-Ren's a beast. Yeah, he does all the TikTok
0: stuff. He's he has a huge more. huge Does he have more than 100,000 followers on TikTok? I think so. One of Wade Anthony, again, his points in the last episode that I published was, there's no one in Pittsburgh with 100,000 followers on social media that still lives here. Yeah,
1: probably not. He's probably right.
0: It was kind of crazy to hear, though, because, you know, obviously Bonnix has left. Right. Wiz has left. Mac died. Right. What happens? Is like, if you're about to pop, you just, like, like, John Geiger. <sighs> yeah, right. Chuck the yeah. deuce, and
1: you're in L.A.? Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's the new spot, right? <laughs> I guess if you start to get a little popular, you just go out <laughs> to the West Coast? I don't know. Could you ever imagine living anywhere else? Oh, yeah. I, I... <sighs> I love Pittsburgh. I love being from Pittsburgh. Um, But I would live somewhere. Like, I hate the weather here. I hate, you know, for instance, like, I just came back from Aruba. Yeah, yeah. not saying I would be living in Aruba. But, like, you know, you go to Florida, you go to L.A., and you fly back from those places to Pittsburgh. It's like flying out of, like, a colored TV and then, like, a black and white TV. And it's just so depressing. Every time you fly back into Pittsburgh, it's gray, (laughs) rainy, and just, like, just sucks the life out of you, like watching Wizard of Oz in reverse. Right. You only, yeah, you only get, <laughs> you only get so many nice days in Pittsburgh, and I and I love it. Like the city's nice; it's small, it's convenient, right? It's not like a New York or a Philadelphia where you're like it would take you a day and a half to get across town. Um, that's one thing I love about it. But yeah, if I could move somewhere where it's you know, if I could move to San Diego where it's like seventy eight degrees every day, you know, I would be there in a heartbeat. But what's holding you back? I don't know family, family that live here, I guess, your sister's still here, yeah, everybody's still here we're we're still like a tight knit family too, you know what I mean, like every holiday, every birthday, we're all together, um, but no, I mean, it's now that I'm growing, like you know what I mean, like I would like to you know branch out, but it's hard to leave where you're from, you know what I mean, yeah, unless I have something set in stone to go do it, I would go do it, but just to like go out there and kind of figure it out, I don't know, different. Different, I guess.
0: So the only other place I've really DJed and lived with good weather is South Florida and Charleston. I'd say the scene in Charleston is wide open. A lot of weddings because it's very much like a bachelorette wedding destination town. Okay. But it's also tiny. Yeah. So there's no real club scene. You know, there's a few Mm -hmm. lounges, like four or five lounges on King Street. But no real club scene to speak of. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh doesn't really have a club scene other than what, Cavo and enclave enclave right that's it
1: the two clubs yeah i mean i mean jimmy d's is more like a bar but like their top floor is like a club but kind of. i would still consider that a bar are you doing bottle service at enclave yeah
0: is main mainly a bottle service kind of joint
1: yeah it's yeah it's bottle service and like i hate bottle service to be honest with you what so- I, hate, <laughs> I hate bottle service clubs man it ruin everything in pittsburgh they do yeah. He definitely does.
0: Is it because of the haves and have-nots and it kind of kills the dance floor? You have to play for yeah, the cl- well, you have to play for the for the people with the bottles. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I mean you have to like uh Do you remember scenario? Of course. Right? Nugget owned yep. that. Yeah. Um 11th Street and 12th Street right? or something. Nugget was like, "Listen, when I f- we first opened this, I did not want to do bottle service." He wanted to do bottle service. He was like, "I did not want to do it because he knew, just like how I know now, you get bottle service in Pittsburgh and you're spending, you know, you're charging people 800 bucks for a bottle of Sky Vodka in Pittsburgh. Like, they think they own the club now. They buy two bottles of that. They're like, listen, play my song. I just spent, you know, 1600 bucks. Play this. Now you feel obligated. Like, I want them to come back. I want them to keep spending money. Yep. Play that song that I told you not ever to play. That's kind of how it is in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean. So that's why I hate bottle service because then like people think they control the club, and that's how it is. It's not like New York. You go there, that people have the money. You know what I mean. They're there for a reason. They're just there having a good time. They get it. You're in marquee or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's also like not a lot. There's not a big bottle service scene in New York City as far as like as far as I, as far as I know. You yeah. know. All the places that I went to, it was very democratic. Right. You know the entitlement that you're talking about wasn't a big thing it was much more this kind of free for all the scene i miss in new york was the brooklyn scene at glasslands okay 285 kent or 385 kent whatever it was on kent street where you had people like chrome sparks alex burkett a lot of kind of avant-garde electronic music pushing the envelope about what was dance music and right um, That was a cool, that was definitely a cool time. I remember um, LCD sound system was also big at the time. I was really into LCD sound system. And then the guys in Gowanus Grove were the other people that I really liked. It was a, a crew that's still doing parties at the House of Yes. That's the other venue, which is incredible in New York, in Brooklyn, I think there's there's new shit though now, like they have the Brooklyn Mirage I've been seeing photos from yeah of like it looks like they got three five thousand people in there, yeah, outdoor, and it's got like I saw dop- photos from Dom Dalla playing there Wow, it just wow, you know flames and oh yeah,
1: lasers and crazy just- that stuff's yeah that stuff blows my mind man that production like you know I would say like you know Cavo and Enclave like they do got good production, you know Cavo's you know got the big chandelier. Got a lot of good lights. Enclave though, I got I got to give them props though. Those guys, like I've been working with those dudes that, that own that place for you know fifteen years. Back when they owned Club Zoo and the Strip. Yeah, yeah. Eggs Is that it. Furman? Yeah, the Furmans. Yeah, Chris and Brandon. <laughs> um, yeah. good dudes, man. They uh, they know what they're doing. They, I mean, they've owned so many different clubs. They know the deal. You know what I mean? They uh, they got Enclave, the old Rex. You know, during COVID. Um. They really put some, you know, great lights. Best sound, I think it's the best sound system in the city for sure. You haven't had a chance to come through. No, I'm I can't wait. To it. Um, definitely, like production, like they got everything um, so far, and they just keep adding on. Bamboo more. says he has the best sound system Does in he? Pittsburgh. You know at, what? At he, it could be right. I have yet to check that place out, man, and I really want to.
0: It's cool. It's it's a little, you know, it's not a huge dance. Floor. Right. It's a lot right. bigger than
1: Goldmark. Right, but, but it's. it's intimate I mean, yeah. for sure. Listen, I wanted to go there like I like I started DJing around the same time I think Bamboo started because I remember going um I think it was I think it was Mad Mike. Like Mad Mike started to just have DJs come over just to like practice. Yeah. And I remember going over there with Bamboo like we were both brand new like wow. just trying to like fit in, you know what I mean? And um I know he was always so creative and like I I wish I got to check that place out because I'm sure he probably does have Really good sound in that place. Yeah, he was telling stories him stories about you know having
0: somebody from the company actually showed up to tune the sound system and you know it's all yeah. I don't know. You
1: gotta have you gotta have a guy like that. Like Enclave, we have a sound guy, comes in, does the controller board, oh, okay, hooks everything up, make sure it's all somebody runs good. lights with you. Yep. Somebody runs the lights, somebody runs the sound, and then like I have uh Brandon Furman, like he'll MC the night. So he'll have the microphone in the back. I don't have to worry about getting on the mic. He controls it all, and, like, we're just, like, a good team. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, he knows by now, like, what I'm kind of playing next. He knows, like, when I'm dropping things. So, like, he'll be texting me, too. You know what I mean? And oh, like cool. I look down at my phone, and he'll be like, you know, play this next song. Like, I got a big bottle coming out. You know what I mean? So, so you guys are in separate locations. Yeah. So, yeah, he's in the back of the room. I'm in the front. I yeah. can see him, though vaguely through the smoke but um <laughs> you know he'll be texting he'll text me and it's cool to have and he's like a dj from back in club zoo he used to do all that so having another set of ears back there because you know sometimes up in front of me i can only see what's in front of me and the vibe might be completely different in that back of the room could you throw a uh, like a gopro and a little monitor in the booth i probably could yeah but like he'll tell me he'll be like hey song ain't working." Switch it. You know what I mean? And I'll trust him because like he's a DJ. He knows. He knows the vibe back there. Sometimes it gets so foggy, honestly, and the lights that are right on top of me, I can only see so far out into the club. It's crazy at times. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, it's not like you're letting these joints run for five minutes anyway, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Like what what difference is it gonna make if you yeah, get a text right. message or not? Like the next yeah, right. song's coming up.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> like one verse and I'm out of there. But yeah, it just it's just, I guess, noted for the next time I'm there. Like, hey, man, you don't play this. Oh,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he then he should just write it down in a notebook and tell you yeah. the next day. Looking at your cell phone when you're trying to DJ
1: to me is not the move. It is. So, like, I'll, yeah, I know, right? So, I'll like, you know, I'll look down, I'll see it light up, and I'll just be like, oh, okay, you know, play this song at you know 145. Yeah. Because yeah. he's he organizes all the bottles and stuff coming out because he's on the microphone, right? Okay. So he's like trying to like hype them up. So you know, sometimes he wants me to drop a certain song or something like that. I just don't know if I
0: could do it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I for me, a big part of DJing was always about total freedom. Yeah, right. And the idea that like even the idea of the request, the idea of anybody, kind of coaching or coercing or altering the path that i want to take through the night right it's yeah nerve-wracking i think you know i get it he's kind of your boss right right <laughs> so right yeah right right I, it's not like when i'm at you know in my neurology job like right. if they tell me what uh, don't prescribe keppra i'm yeah, not right. gonna prescribe keppra yeah right right like, right, I, right i do That's what my boss it is, says man. yeah
1: um but I got—I gotta say, like they do give me the freedom, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's mostly like Enclave is mostly like a hip hop spot, so. Oh really? Yeah. I like I that. don't play a lot of EDM and stuff in there. No.
0: Really? No.
1: In the south side, is it? What's the crowd like? The crowd's good. I mean, here's the thing about the hip hop crowd, right? I'm used to having peep The energy. I love playing EDM because I love the energy EDM brings to the dance floor. Hence I love your Wednesday party. Goldberg. Exactly. I love people jumping. I love people. Tonight. Like, yeah. Tonight at Gold. Tonight. This episode. There's no right. way this will be out by then. <laughs> no, no, no. It'll be out. Wednesday. Wednesdays. Right. Um, yeah, Like, the energy. Like, I love people just jumping. Like, I feed off that. I read that, right? The hip-hop crowd now, especially with the hip-hop music that's out now, the slow hip-hop, you're talking, like, 60 beats per minute, 55 you beats there per there minute. Did
0: hear there hasn't been a number one
1: hip-hop no. album oh, or no. song, single? And I believe it. All 100%. of 2023? Hundred percent believe that. How because, is that possible? Exactly because is it because Jay Cole, Drake, Kendrick, nobody dropped. I just think like music, man. Hip hop's just so bad. And I, but I I come from <laughs> what listening. What about Wiz's new album? It's good. Is it? See, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even hear it yet. You
0: gotta listen. Wiz is snapping chance. again. He that's, wrote. That's, he went back to the pad and pen. Wow.
1: See, that's how bad hip hop's been. Where like I'm not even not even like you know it's going to be
0: terrible. So you're not even not even that. I yeah. just
1: like oh, I'll listen to it when I listen to it. Yeah, you know what I mean? You're not
0: like on hip hop DX looking right. for the I'm not drop like, dates Oh my god! Like I can't wait. I
1: have to download this. As That's soon how as it used to be. Out. Now it's like it's not like that, man. I don't like hip like new hip hop. Like I said, all the big you know hip hop bangers, yeah, are like 55 to 65 beats per minute. So now when you're playing it, it's like boom, clap. <laughs> I don't believe boom, in 55 to 65. Clap, by the way,
0: so uh, this is actually pretty significant, I think, for DJing. You know, you should not have BPMs that are more than double each other.
1: I get, yeah. I get so like
0: for me, the range, and this is also a setting in Serato, but for me, it's 70 to 140. Right. So if it's 55, right. it's 110. Yeah, right. Gotcha. And that's intentional because I want to see all the 110 records with the other 110 records. I right. don't want a 55 to be separate from, fi- from 110. Right. There's oh, no yeah. reason for it. Right. 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 Even though the energy levels would be very different, they it's, would it, blend perfectly. It's some,
1: some of them, though, the way they build like the beats with their snares, and it's just like you can't really mix some of those in with the regular 110s. And like, which has to do with the groove, I right? Guess, yeah. So it's just like I'm DJing in slow motion, right? I'm like on the turntables, like slow motion, slow motion. <laughs> and then everybody on the crowd, they're not jump they're not going crazy. They're like yeah. this. They're with their, you know, their eight hundred dollar uh, bottle of Sky vodka and they're just yeah. out there. Lean. Lean with it, rock with it. Right? And wasn't like, that the beginning of this
0: kind of like slow rap was the snap rap? Lean with it, yeah. rock with it. It's just like it doesn't build the energy.
1: Now there are some songs. Shorty snappin', buy you a drink. Right. All of that, right? Right. It's and, like sing it's just sing along stuff. That's how it, uh, that's how like the clubs are now, basically. Um I don't want to see all of them, but, like, the one, like, at Enclave, like, it's basically like a sing-along. Like, sing, you're having a vibe, you're in your VIP, whatever, that's it. Um, and then, like, you know, we'll pick up the energy. Don't get me wrong. Like, there'll be times, but, like, I'm just, like, I just wish I could have that full energy, people going nuts the whole time. You need
0: Moombatone. We need yeah. to bring back Moombatone. Right. Need that, something.
1: That was what was popping when
0: I was really, really focused on you know music 2010-2011. That like, that, like, Baltimore Club stuff
1: also has great. been very popular now like everything's coming back like that i want to rock like little uzi vert yeah yeah that and now like you know the baby has shake some that's like a big song i play at enclave now it's like 74 well it's
0: philly right philly has that sound i think they call it like juke or philly footwork there's the new jersey i got you new jersey and philly both have like like footwork sounds and like you said baltimore club is the same idea for people that aren't big music people it's it's sort of like very repetitive 1 130 beats per minute mm-hmm. house music but it's not soulful house it's one or two samples repeated over and over again with certain classic drum sounds right um yeah i remember it's a good tempo yeah yeah that party that i was talking about on the north side um I wish I could remember the name of the venue, whatever. It was a a Baltimore club and Miami bass party. Yeah. Which, like, you can't really do theme nights in Pittsburgh, I feel. It's tough, man.
1: Pittsburgh is just tough. It used to
0: be drum and bass. And then there's the two-step garage. What is it? UK garage. Two-step and UK garage Hmm. night. Two-step Tuesdays. Yeah, right. There was drum and bass. Um, Bloomfield Bridge Tavern had a drum and bass night. Yeah. My dude, Kev, does a reggae thing right on wednesdays sometimes i think maybe I'm trying to dj with him who else has a theme night the you know the gold mark tries to do these theme things right wednesdays and thursdays with i guess wednesdays are edm and thursdays are fun yeah
1: it's like i think it switches like literally every week every week it's like something different like for instance like our gold rush edm night is just every third wednesday yeah Every other Wednesday, though, they have something different kind of going on, and I think like some of them do like kind of the same stuff like EDM, but I think they do like you know, I think they do switch it up like every once in a while. Like they have different nights, different um, takes. I'm on trying EDM. to think of some of the other things. Baseberg,
0: there's um, yeah, and then Thursday is like Groove Theory and right and Selecta. Right. So the idea is to have consistency like it was a weekly party so yeah, that right, people right, show right, up, right. they know what they're getting, you know, so that you have these regulars that are like, I go to Goldmark on Wednesdays, regardless right. of if it's Climax, is party, or if it's. Right.
1: You're kind of getting something similar.
0: Yeah. Right. I don't know if it works out in real life, though. I think people go to see somebody they want to see. Yeah, They don't right. go to hear, like, a style of music. They go to hear it. Right a person they go because they like a single person they like a dj
1: yeah i would agree with that
0: um which is hard i mean i think you you it would probably be very challenging to run a weekly edm party anywhere in pittsburgh yeah
1: and yeah pittsburgh's tough man it's tough especially edm i mean you got like the edm like the edm heads out there there's only few of them And then to have them come back out, though, every single month, it's tough. You can get them. You can organize something where you can have a killer EDM party. But, like, don't expect to have that every week, every week, every week, because, like, those guys, they start to, like, you know, thin out, and then, like, nobody's coming out. It's such a small city. What have you tried for promotions? Yeah. Yeah, you you don't get nothing. (laughs) Like I said. Have you
0: tried, like, Reddit, like, Meetup? Have you done any kind of giveaways or any any, like, special ideas to promote it like nfts or i don't know anything
1: nothing crazy like that but i mean like we did our promotion like you know facebook ads instagram Mm. ads Mm. um does that shit work to me no (laughs) i I, honest to god i think every dollar that i spent on something like that it was just a complete waste because i'm telling you yeah when i did my live stream during covid i would do that Right on Twitch. Yeah, I would do like the you know I would spend like hundred hundreds of dollars on Instagram for like ads. Right, I would then check like you know all the stats from it and like everybody it was going to. And now I would control like the area, right, sixty miles from the center of Pittsburgh and out. Right, but why? Why do you care? Who listens to your stream? So yeah. So anyway, just to set this up, I would pick like around Pittsburgh, New York, Miami, whatever. I would go look at the stats, and it would be like. Five hundred people from Haiti, <laughs> uh, <laughs> six hundred right? people from Nigeria. Yeah, that's not real. All fake, and I'm just like, but I—that
0: was for the, what Instagram was giving this you. This was
1: what wow. I was paying. Like, so this Zuckerberg wasn't like,
0: was literally just stealing your money, stealing
1: my money. I'm telling you, like, you know how you could go on websites now and pay for the fake likes, the oh, fake yeah, all yeah. that stuff. That's what it felt we like. Were talking but about I'm like, listen, basic. I'm giving real money to Instagram, <laughs> and I'm looking at it. And, and the only people interacting are people from, you know, all these different, you know, third world countries. I remember countries. buying
0: Facebook ads right at the beginning and feeling like this was a li- like a total hack. Like yeah. it was one of the coolest things you ever. You could literally target how old the person was, their gender, where they lived in the world, what their interests were. So right. you could like target in, you could zoom in right. on this demographic that was, it was Truly, it felt like magic, right? I mean, it was a totally different ball of wax from putting up a flyer, which was what I came mm-hmm. from, like hanging flyers in Oakland, mm-hmm. you know, with Bonics going around, exactly. like po- posting flyers for his Z lounge gig or something. Right. It's like, you know, we had this new technology, but I feel like, I mean, I don't even have a Facebook anymore. I haven't for five years. It's awful. And Instagram... I'm telling you, it's I would scam. never. I would never advertise you. on Instagram. I won't even get
1: verified on Instagram because I
0: don't have a Facebook right.
1: account. I'm telling you it's a scam because I want you to try to contact somebody through Instagram to dispute those charges, and you can't. <laughs> because, listen, I tried to. I tried to, you know, call Instagram like, hey, you guys are, you know, ripping me off. You can't get a hold of... It. You think you're going to talk to somebody from Instagram to, like, give you your money back? Ain't happening. And once they got that money, it's over. Yeah, you're done. Yeah. So like, I would look at all these stats, and I'm just like, this is, this is wild. Like nobody from around here is liking any of this, uh, any of the stuff that I'm posting.
0: Yep. Not even
1: one. Were you getting like
0: 50, 100 people on the streams, or not even nothing? Oh, nobody, nobody watched. It. No, no it I a, mean a lot for, of competition. Yeah. So like Everybody when I started,
1: when I started out on Twitch, I was getting like thirty to forty people watching every episode that I would do every Sunday. That's actually which, really good. Right, so that was great. And then after that year, I was expecting, you know, I put a lot of money into the streams, marketing, stuff like that. And all your gear. I mean, I'm you bought like, cameras, green screen, everything. Oh, my God, I had everything. I had, and the graphic, like, that was my department. Like, the graphic design and the virtual stuff that I had, like, behind me and yeah. the things that I was doing was, like, way above what anybody else was doing.
0: That's something you're interested in? or Yeah, you do your so own I, people, stuff? Would,
1: people would watch and be like, that's ridiculous. How are
0: you doing this? I like DJ Spades. Have you ever seen him uh, or know who he is? Uh, Spade S P A E D. He's like drum and bass, pure drum and bass guy. And um, I just I love his his production. Yeah, like it's really like I don't want to use the word ghetto, <laughs> sort of like low low tech or something, but it's super. What's the word? There's a lot going on. Right. So like. It's, you know, there's the video background. He's got multiple GIFs up. He's got, like, a little right. TV that's playing a movie in the corner.
1: Right, right, right. Um,
0: even though, like, the resolution is
1: not great. Right. It feels like you're so on a So I spent hours getting the best resolution, yeah. the best graphics. I would spend all week plotting my different scenes. Right. If I had a guest, I would ha- make all new scenes for this, like specific for that guest. Like I had Frank White from Boston. Yeah, he so was just I here. Had, right. So I had
0: shout out to a little Luciana, um,
1: like yacht, yacht brunch, and et cetera. I had uh like the Boston Red Sox like uh, screen like at their stadium. Like I had him up on that and I had like a crowd there, like cheering him on. Like I had all this stuff and people would be like blown away. And I'm like, why am I only getting twenty people watching this? Like yeah. what and do then, you then think I would the go. Instagram was uh, fucking up? or No, I mean, I just wasn't like, you know, some at the time, like you would go click on people be like, hey, check this out. And it would be some 40-year-old mom in pajamas pretending to DJ and she had 20,000 people viewing it. And I'm just like, at that point, I'm like, I'm done with this. Like, I'm done with this. Like, I have my guest tonight is DJ Nugget and like, Zimmy or somebody yeah, and I'm like yeah. I can only get 30 people but this mom in pajamas yeah. with her button undone oh, has 20,000 people yeah. watching her just train wreck two songs together yeah. and I'm just like that was just like a that definitely just put me in a bad state and then, and then like after a year I'm like once I wasn't getting up until like the hundreds I'm just like what'd you do during this the worth pandemic? It? that was it nothing just dj to myself and that was actually pretty cool how'd you survive well that goes back to the police thing man yeah yeah so let's get back yeah so the police thing um yeah so after i became the neighborhood resource officer before i even started that i moved to crafton heights um over in the west end literally three months into that um situation happened where that like you know i have neighbor now i have all new neighbors i don't know who they are whatever. So we had like a drug house on our street, whatever, selling drugs that I didn't really know about it until like, you know, further down the line, I figured it out. But anyway, there was a car, he was like, you know, blocking my, my driveway when I came home from work at like 11. Now think I just worked, you know, eight hours on the street, I'm coming home, there's a car blocking my driveway, I'm sitting there, sitting there for like a couple minutes, um, you know, beeping, whatever. After a couple of minutes, he like pulls over. Right, lets me go in my driveway. Well, he gets out of the car, starts to walk over. I get out of the car. Now I'm in full uniform, right? Full police uniform. I get out of the car. He stops dead in his tracks, like, oh shit, and I'm like looking at him, like, yeah, oh shit, like you bet you didn't think I was a cop getting out of the car, right? So he just kind of mean mugs me and walks away. And then, you know, two days later, I'm at work and we have a big domestic situation where like we had to run in. Guns drawn. This guy's, like, beating this girl to death. You know, he's on PCP, cocaine, some other drugs. He's literally a zombie. He turns and looks at me. I'm telling you, he wasn't there. It was a zombie. It was like something out of a movie. I pull my taser out, you know. I'm like, you know, stop. He comes running at me. I hit him with the taser. He falls, gets immediately right back up shoot him again, falls, gets right back up, grabs onto my legs, and kind of, like, twists me down the steps. So now we fall down, like, a full flight of, like, 16 steps. Your sidearm is still holstered. Still there. Point. I get down there. I had to, like, you know, fight with this guy. Now, like, I can fight, but, like, when someone's on PCP and cocaine and stuff like that, when you're hitting them, they're not feeling it. Right. Like you, I was, like, hitting this, like... I mean, there was blood, like... Oh, my God. I'm fighting for my life, right? It took... Ten of us to hold this guy down And then we had to get paramedics To come in and shoot him with something That like knocked him out So we could cuff him and get him out of there That's how crazy So I got jacked up that night I was like really like my back was messed up My wrist was jacked up So the next day I go to Concentra Because that's where the city sends you right away And I go there Now remind you this is two days after I had this incident With this guy on my street Um, You know I go to Concentra I could barely drive I was, like, getting out of the car, like, you know, jacked up. I go there. They put, like, a huge brace on my, like, wrist. Um, you know, I had, like, a concussion. Um, so, anyway, I go. I'm leaving there, and I'm driving down, you know, back to Giant Eagle to get my prescription, my pain medication. And we're going through Chartier's Avenue. I'm um, over in the West End by the Comcast building, and this car comes flying up on my bumper, right? I'm in a school zone, 15 miles an hour.
0: same car you were driving as when the guy blocked in. I didn't know this at the time.
1: Didn't know, this. but it was the same car. It was the you had same, the same car. car, same license plate, everything. Same car, so not I a marked drew, vehicle. It's a right. It's your I, civilian car, right? And the only reason why it's noticeable was it was a brand new Mercedes Benz, blacked out, black twenty inch Rams, five percent window tint. Like you knew that car. Go ahead, Bobby. You know what I'm saying? Like Go I ahead, was balling Bobby. for a second, right?
0: Five percent tint, so you can't see up in my window.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what I said when I bought that car. So, um. So I'm cruising, his car comes up, he's beeping, whatever. I'm like, you know, I'm talking to my buddy on the phone. He could hear it. That's, you know, he's like on my ass beeping. And um, I'm like, some idiot. Don't know, it's a school zone. I'm still talking to him because he's moving in with me at my new house, like in the next week. We get up to a stop sign. He comes up, pulls next to me. And I could see him at a corner of my eye, like just saying shit. And he drives off, right? Drives off around the bend. I go up, go sit in the giant Eagle parking lot. And I'm sitting there. And then uh, my phone rings, and a buddy from my police academy uh, is calling me. I'm like, I pick it up. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, hey, where you at right now? I'm like, uh, Giant Eagle, what's up? And he's, uh, oh, never mind. Click. I'm like, that was weird, right? Then another buddy from my police academy calls me. Same thing. Where you at? You okay? Yeah, yeah. What's up? Somebody else just called me. He, Click. I'm like, that was weird, right? Original dude calls me back. He's like, hey, man, just wanted to call you. We had a 911 call saying, you know, somebody in a black Mercedes pulled a gun on somebody in a road rage incident. I'm like, now thinking of what just happened, that was so minor. That guy beeping at me, that happens every day. Yeah, yeah. In my head, I'm like, dude, I I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sitting in Giant Eagle right now. He's like, I know. He's like, he gave me the wrong, you know, plate number, but I started, like, doing my police work Start punching in different numbers, and I hit a black Mercedes, and it was yours. So I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, don't worry. Like, this dude's rambling. It doesn't make sense. Whatever. Click. Fast forward three months later, I'm still on light duty, right? I'm still, like, dressed up like how you are now. Yeah. Working the phones at Zone 1, and I walk in. Yeah, and because like, of the injury. Right. Yeah. And I walk in, and they're like, hey, uh, this guy, Ed Green, from Eternal Affairs, is here to see you. And we were like, don't say anything to him until you have like an FOP representation with you. I'm like, what? So we go up, we sit down, and the dude's like, I'm starting to like realize who this dude is, right? This, this, this guy. I'm like, I know him from somewhere. F- rewind a little bit back here. Sorry, this is like a story. Do you remember the Running Man Challenge video? Maybe. It was like a it was like a, a viral thing on YouTube where like it would be like an office, right? and they would play, like, a song, and they would just start, like, doing, like, the running man dance, and, like, every, and then, like, NBA teams started doing it, and, like, sports teams, and then they would challenge, like, another sports team to do it. Philadelphia does, like, a big running man challenge, and they challenge Pittsburgh and, like, Boston or something. So, like, the PR lady comes to me, like, hey, I know you're a DJ. I know you have connections with, like, video and stuff like that. Do you want to take the lead on this? I was like, yeah. So I go out. I get my own videographers. Best in the country, bro. They were like, I'll, we'll do this pro bono for free because we want the million hits on YouTube. Like, cool, great. I got the best. We go sit down in this meeting. One of the chiefs bring in this guy. And they were like, yeah, this dude's going to shoot the video. He's from Eternal Affairs. Same guy. Now this is the same dude now, right? Yeah. And I'm like looking at him and I'm like, yeah, he's not shooting the video. These guys are shooting the video. He got so mad. He got up like from the meeting and just stormed out of the room. Fast forward now, back to my guy coming in internal affairs. It's the same dude.
0: Oh shit! You pissed him off in the past because you you
1: dissed him when you had your own boys do the video. Exactly. So now, did you diss the dude from (laughs) internal
0: affairs, Bobby? What the so now he comes in now.
1: Now what happened was this dude kept calling, saying, "How come there's no reports being done? I know this is a police officer that did this to me." And I'm like thinking, like, how do you know it was a police officer? You can't see me inside my car, and I didn't even have gear on. There's right. nothing on my car that says, hey, I'm a cop. So I'm like, that was weird. How does he know I'm a cop? How is he saying this? So anyway, they end up, he ends up talking to the commander of the zone. The commander ends up writing a report, sending it to internal affairs. It goes on this dude's desk. He sees my name and he's like, oh, Kramer, let me look into this, right? Looks into it, goes, interviews the guy, doesn't interview me, doesn't get my side, anything. Just basically took this guy's word and was like, you know what? I'm going to foul. Arrest paperwork on him. On I mean, Bobby Climax. On Bobby Climax, man. No. Doesn't right? Now who, there's so much I'm more to this story so that I'm
0: confused. Like, Is the guy from internal affairs the same guy that was not that, that was trying to get past you or that was blocking your driveway? No, so that was just a Two random different
1: people guy.
0: Yeah. You pissed and, off the guy from Internal Affairs and you pissed off a guy who was trying to get who was blocking your driveway. Right. They right, both right. were pissed off, but so, separately. The one called 911 on you, and the other one screwed you nuts to the wall because he hated you because you didn't use him for a video. Right, right, right. So he
1: basically took that. You know, once that guy, you know, went to Eternal Affairs and had a report done on me, that guy took it over, this Ed Green, and was like, hey, like, I'm going to go all in on this Kramer, dude. So he started to, like, not even do his thorough investigation. He just kind of skipped a bunch of stuff, was like, I'm just going right after him. So I come to find out the guy who originally, you know, was blocking me and and called nine one one, drug dealer from Detroit, was arrested sixteen times, did ten years for a homicide. Very credible guy, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Sounds um, like an, an upstanding citizen. Outstanding. You know, during this whole process, like he got arrested twice, like during this whole court process that I'm gonna tell you about. But um yeah, it's just like you you it was almost like make believe. He's telling no. Now he's now I go to meet with him at the zone, and he's like, "Hey, I got a warrant for your silver revolver." He was like, "We could either go kick your door down, or we could go get this." And oh, I'm were just, you carrying a revolver? So that was one of the thirteen guns that I've owned. Yeah, yeah. I I own a re- silver but you revolver.
0: You you would carry it to work? No.
1: So this is the whole thing. He was just I was saying say, I pulled a gun take on a revolver him, revolver if right? So he's like, I love
0: revolvers, but I would too. never take one to work with me as a cop. I would. No, no. I would we, want we like fifteen, have, sixteen. We have a Glock. We
1: have to carry Glock.
0: I would want fifteen, sixteen, 16 right. in the mag every time. I'm not dealing with six shots. Yeah, no, no, that was just Even like seven. that would
1: be like your your secondary weapon yeah. considered, right? Yeah,
0: we all carry Glocks, like a three fifty seven or thirty eight in the glove right. box, or I don't know something forty five, right. a forty five in the center console or something, just right.
1: For Something easy. But yeah, so he was saying, you know, I pulled this gun on him or whatever, and he told him it was a pistol. And then like basically what happened when the detective sat down, he had all my guns and he laid them out and was like, does any of these look like the gun? Where did guy. he get your guns? Because he just, it's just like a quick search, like any. Oh. Call, like I could search and see what guns. you did, did he physically have your. Oh, yeah, your gun. Oh, yeah. So he took pictures. He had them out and he was like, does it look like, any like these? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, it looks like this one.
0: Okay, okay, okay. These were photographs of your guns. These right. were not
1: your actual firearms on the table. No. Okay. Photos. Right, so he right. was like, yeah, it looks like that one. He was just like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> he owns that. So <laughs> This is like, right. just the whole thing sounds so like then, a
0: fucking kangaroo court. So man. then they
1: made the detective do a photo array with me, right? He prints out eight pictures to show the guy. One of them is in full color. You want to guess whose picture was in full color? This guy's. <laughs> Would you also believe, right, would you also believe he still did not pick me? He circled two other people. But mine was one in Keller, and yeah. he still didn't circle it. So not only did they not have the uh, photo, right, identifying yeah, me, yeah. He's, they still went on. And now at this time, I'm all freaked out because now I'm like, this can't be happening. Were you put on,
0: like, leave of absence at some point? Or no, you were still working throughout this whole at
1: time? Not at this time. Yeah. I'm starting to do my own investigation in my head. Who's this guy? How, like, what's the deal? I go and I find him on Facebook. He's a cop hater. Everything he had on Facebook was just bashing police. He would show up to scenes and, like, film and try to, like, get them to do stuff, right? So the day after he said that I did this, I seen a video and I watched it, and he starts talking about me, and he's talking about a different type of weapon. I was pointing it out the other side of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was his allegation? His allegation was: I pulled a silver pistol out of my driver's side window and pointed it at him. Didn't say a word, just pointed at him, and he drove away. That was his allegation, and your recollection of the story was what you described earlier. Yeah, something. So he came up, he was just swearing. I had now, see, I had a silver cell phone that was on the palm of my hand, and I was talking on speaker. I'm like, oh, maybe he thought it was my silver cell phone. But then in my head, hard to
0: confuse those two,
1: right? And now I'm in broad daylight, right? But now I'm like. I have five percent ten. He didn't see anything. Mm. You never even had the window down. No. So like that was a whole other thing. So like it happened so fast. I didn't re- try to remember any of this, right? Because yeah, yeah. it's just like a normal. And little, there's no like, recording, no dash right. cam, no, no internal, nothing. external, nothing, nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. no witnesses. My nobody's word. Seen my anything. word against us. It's His word. versus... Meanwhile, right? you're a
0: police officer. I'm a credible on police officer at the time with Pittsburgh, who's never had any other problem with no. anything no. ever no, no arrest. I never had no. a complaint filed against me and he's literally yeah. a lifetime criminal who lifetime. hates police officers
1: right okay so let's hear how it went down so right <laughs> so now I go and I find this video and he's like contradicting himself and saying a completely different story and I'm like hey this detective needs to see this because he's saying the complete opposite of what he told the detective and I go to my commander I'm like hey they have to see this and he's like alright I'll make sure they get it he goes, gives it to the, to the eternal affairs supervisor. She gets it, tells him, do not make any arrests until you see this video. So what do you think the Pittsburgh police did to, to try to get this video? They went on his Facebook. They're not friends. Can't see anything. Give up. Can't see it. That's it. Wow. Went and, and, and did the arrest paperwork. Wow. Never. Now they had the dude's number. The dude's been calling him every day. They're like best friends now. He could have been like, hey, by the way, Jesse, uh, you know, can you give me your Facebook video that I heard? That, you know what I mean? He could have did that. No, they didn't do anything. He went right down and did the arrest paperwork, filed it. It went through. As soon as it went through, hit the news. Now I'm seeing myself on the news. Now the media is running with this whole crazy story. I get, you know, I immediately get fired. I had to go in front of my chiefs and describe the story. I brought in the video. They didn't even want to look at it. They were just like, listen, you, you know what? We got to fire you, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, no. Meanwhile,
0: now- we don't have... Me- meanwhile, there's DJs being shot up in the south side. We've got violence and gun violence downtown Pittsburgh. Right. We've got a budget for 900 police officers. How many are there actually? I'm imagining... Five, six oh, I mean, so Hundreds of unknown. Listen, when positions. I was there,
1: the minimum was supposed to be twelve hundred. Twelve hundred cops, we only had eight hundred. And half of those eight hundred are not, you know, patrol officers. They're like sergeants, yep. lieutenants, commanders. Yep. They don't work the street. Yep. So if you so talk about six zones, three different shifts. You're talking about 400 guys.
0: We're talking about one-fourth of the positions which are in city council's budget, which I read this morning because I'm bringing Kari Mosley on the podcast shortly, are unfilled positions. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're (laughs) they're railroading you for what sounds like... Right, a road rage incident at worst. Right, and and at best, a nothing.
1: Right, a little. So at nothing. this time, this was too. Like when a lot of things were popping off around the, uh, like this is the country. George Floyd. Yeah, this was like you know things started mm. popping up. So now it was like kind of like bad. Like you know they wanted to make an example out of the white police officer. Wow, there, you know, wow. And that's when they like ran with it. They were like, hey, listen we're not going to be the bad guys and have the community come after us for Mm -hmm. not punishing this guy. We're just going to let the courts decide basically is what they did. So they didn't really have all, you know, they, they didn't even really have probable cause to arrest me. Like when I look back at it now and so basically they arrested the paperwork. I had to go through all this crap. They said it was off duty. So I didn't have any FOP backing. I, you know, I just bought a new house, new car, spent a lot of money, Now I have to go and find my own attorneys, fight this. This went on for years, man. And they did everything they could to like postpone things. So you're saying if you're a police officer, even
0: if you're in full costume, full uniform, if you're not technically on the clock, the lawyers for the police don't help you?
1: They'll say if you're off duty and you do something or you incriminate yourself off duty. That's on you. Right. But when you're in the police academy, they tell you, you know, even though you don't have that uniform on, you're a police officer 24 seven. So if I see something off duty going on, I have to, like, step in you and have try to help. Right. I can't just run the other way you know yeah so like if i'm a cop 24 7 then how come i don't have help 24 7 feels like a double standard to me right so anyway i had to fight you know that the whole time goes to court i i, I do a, a jury trial um literally took them five minutes it's five minutes five minutes they came back we got it we we know we got it come back we got a verdict you're like not guilty Because like we had like the detective lie, like he was making up lies on the stand that my attorney was catching. And it was like, it was crazy. Like he was saying, the detective actually said that he went with me to pick up the gun and observed me in my garage digging around in the rafters, insinuating to the jury, like, look where the the bad guy hid the the murder weapon up in the rafters, right? Like, is that a normal place where somebody would hide a gun? And I'm sitting there listening to it's like this is all. This is all bullshit, right? So I'm like hitting my attorney, like hitting him. Hey, 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 we got to go get pictures of my basement. My basement has 10-foot ceiling. My garage has 10-foot ceilings, and there's no ductwork. It's like this
0: yeah so i'm like yeah nowhere you could have hit it i would have to get on a ladder yeah
1: so we so caught him in all these lies the jury knew it it the was the real story was it was right. just in a locker or a case or something yeah like that. it was it was in my safe that i got yeah. and he he didn't he never got out of the car and i had another cop testify that he never got out of the car. so he was just trying to like he got caught up in lies he's trying to be the smartest guy in the room this is the prosecutor uh or this is the, the detective but the prosecutor is yeah. with him you know what i mean like they're buddy buddy trying to like pin this on me and but we caught him in so many lies, man. Shout out to Blaine Jones. Blaine Jones is This is your lawyer. Yeah. He's a dude like I didn't want to go up again. Like when I arrest people, they would get Blaine Jones, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm getting Blaine Jones. You want to play like that? We'll play like that. But um, you know, Blaine roasted them in court. We go to an arbitration now after I was found not guilty. The arbitrator' is like, yeah, you gotta bring this dude back immediately. Like you guys had no purpose of firing this dude. And they like would not bring me back. They would wait 30 days and appeal that decision, which never happened in the city of Pittsburgh before, because that's why we have an arbitrator, so we don't have to go to court. They're like, ah, oh, we appeal it. Go to the court of comment, please. They come. Oh, we agree with the arbitrator. They're like, you guys have no basis to fire in this dude. He was found not guilty. The guy lied on the stand. Appeal. Next court. Next. It went to the PA Supreme Court. And they were like, listen, stop. Like, this is it. Bring the dude back to work. Pay him his money. And finally, they just never brought me back. No one called and was like, hey, you got to come back to work. They just never did it. And like, who do you, who do you like, you know, condemn for that? Like, who do you put in an attempt of court for not bringing me back? The whole city of Pittsburgh? Like, who's in charge? That's your boss. You know, city of Pittsburgh. Right. Right. So like, they're not getting, they're running in the show, man. And then like the mayor's on, you know, the news bashing me saying, oh, you know, even though he's coming back to work, we can't put him on the streets because he's a liar and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is Ed Gainey?" Yeah, no, this was Peduto. And I'm like Bill Peduto? Wow. Yeah. And oh, I'm this like two thousand what year? This is like two thousand eighteen. 17, okay. Eighteen. 18. Yep. And I'm like, how do you not believe me? Like I didn't lie about one thing. This dude lied and you're still bashing me. So I, at the end of the day, I filed like a huge lawsuit on them, found out that Good. like Good, the mayor got off on everything because they said as long as he's acting as the mayor of Pittsburgh, he has like he could Free say whatever reign. he could say yeah. whatever. He There's essentially so he could be like, Hey, the gold mark has rats no one shows up to goldmark ruins, you know, nugget's business. You can't you can't get him in trouble for that. that. This reminds me of what you were talking about with the south side, with the death
0: of the south side. How, I I don't want to get away from that too much. Oh, meanwhile, you and uh, Wiz Khalifa both uh, are caseless on your iPhones. That's it. You just put a little thing on the front. Nothing yeah. on the back. And
1: as you can see it's all busted up, but whatever.
0: Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Ain't nothing like the real thing. That's it. That song was sampled. Um, There's an incredible house record, which samples just this little clip of the acapella of Marvin Gaye saying, you make me feel better. Oh, yeah, you make me feel better. You remember that song? Yep.
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, but yeah, man, that whole thing was just like a nightmare. What to go a through.
0: fucking nightmare, and dude! Then, I'm so sorry you went through all that, dude.
1: It it was it like you
0: know. Ultimately, did you get a lot of money from the city or no?
1: I don't even know if I'm not even allowed to say that. I think yeah, it was part of the thing. Part that of the I, thing. I but, wrote, but but um,
0: do you feel? Uh, let me
1: ask this. No. Do you feel like justice was no. of, was done? No, no, not at all. I, what I wanted, what I expected, I didn't get anything close to that. Do you so? How has it affected your,
0: like, your view of the way that America treats people that work in law enforcement, that work in EMTs, teachers, things like
1: that? So, you know, the big thing is the media, man. Um, You see everything in the media now, and everybody's connected with their phones, and, and, and that's how they get their information, you know what I mean, through social networks, all that stuff. Um and you and you can call out the lies. You know what I mean? You can call out the lies. You can be like, oh, this isn't that what are they talking about? But until you actually go through it and you know a hundred percent of the information and then you see what the media is like saying and, and writing about you, it will blow your mind. Like I was like emailing reporters, like calling them out, like what the fuck? Like this is nowhere near true. And they just run with it. You know, I'm always going to be the accused cop that pulled a gun, even though, like, the dude lied on the stand and it all came out that it was all bullshit. I'm still that I'm still, I still have that stain on my record, right? So, seeing all that and seeing what the media was writing, and and I'm like, none of this is true. How are they allowed to put that? Like, it's not even close to the truth. And now you, like, look at the big picture, like what's going on in politics and like bigger things like that, and you're just like, if it's happening to me, this is happening everywhere. And you see that first, you know, that first incident when, you know, y- you would see like the police video that pops up first day one. Right. And you would look at it and be like, oh, that looks so bad. Oh, my God, it looks so bad because you see that five second video clip. And then all of a sudden, you know, as the year goes on, the trial comes on, all the truth comes out. And you're like, oh, wow, there was a lot more to this. And this then the media just kinda just doesn't even cover it anymore, right? It's just kinda like this is for your trial or for something else? This is just any this yeah, like is just in like in general. general.
0: Right. In yeah, general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. going through that like yeah, the like video I'm doesn't saying. always tell the whole story. That's right. for sure. The um, one video that did tell the whole story was the one in Charleston. That was the one where wait, it was what like, was bit of a little bit of a really, of a really, really damning case of a cop. of a like I mean, just like a terrible, absolute, awful a terrible, who, thank human is who, of God, the rest of his the rest of there was an a officer-involved shooting. I forget the name of the, the, um, the guy who was killed, but um, I, I do think it was a white cop and black uh, um, victim. But basically, there was a, a police chase. The guy chased him over a few different, through a few different yards. I feel um, like I know what you're talking he about. He hopped a couple fences. He was running away from the, from the police officer after, I think, a, a traffic stop. The guy was running away, somebody, thank God, had a cell phone, poked it through the fence. I, started I know what recording. you're recording about. Nah, got the whole so. thing on camera, I think so. The guy's running away from the cop. cop shoots right, him right. three, four, five, six, ten, seven times in the back. He dies, and then the cop walks over and plants a gun on him. Oh, see yeah that's, <laughs> see
1: that's, see that's ridiculous shit right there. and you know what? It's like insane. people ask me all the time they're like, you know. Do you have bad cops in the city? You know, you know, and honest to God, like out of all the people that I worked with in the city, I've never had one dude where I'm like, oh, that dude's sketchy. Like he's up to no good. I mean, there's so many cameras, body mics and stuff like it's. It would would be like some Ocean's Eleven type shit to pull something off. You know what I mean? Like that. Um, now when you go down to those suburbs and like I said, like suburb cops, like they're not trained as good as city cops, city cops have money. They have a budget. They do training all the time. Like we had so much active shooter training, uh, you know, um, how to even talk to people a certain way. We had training on that. Like, did you get
0: enough training? Do you think on, and and this kind of relates to the incident where you were tussling with the guy, but on. Hand to hand combat. Oh yeah. Wrestling. Oh yeah. See, like that was another thing like choke had- holds versus neck holds, yeah. arm restraints. When things we like were that. in the
1: academy, we had like PT and stuff. And the guy running it, his name's Dave Wright. And he's like one of the biggest Krav Maga teachers like on the East Coast. He was our dude teaching us like all these cool and like you know, at first we would get in there, it'd be eight AM, we'd be bitching, like, oh PT, PT. And then I'm thinking, like, people pay this dude thousands of dollars for this training. And we're getting we're getting paid to take this training. Yeah. So then it like opened my head up. I'm like, okay, I need to like take this serious. And I'm glad I did because we got some of the best training there for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you still? I mean, what do you? Are you staying fit? Like, are you? not as much martial arts or working out or what do you do no
1: not as much not as much anymore man um you know i'd play sports like deck hockey and stuff like that baseball just to get like you know just to run around but i haven't been like training or doing any of that stuff like keeping up with any of that like i'll go to like the gun range every once in a while just to stay fresh on like that you know what i mean but um yeah man i don't know like people are like do you want to go back to be a police officer and i'm like no not at all not in this city or never anywhere anywhere like, even my sister, like my like I said, my sister, brother-in-law, they both work in the suburbs. They make triple the amount of I did to basically, you know, not handle the amount of calls. And I'm still like, no, I don't want to go. Because, like, the thing now it's set up, and this is what's scary, man, with, like, cops now. The majority of the cops are the good guys. Like, you know what I mean? You you'll have your bad apples in, in, in any zone, right? Or any police department. But, like... All the good cops don't get that recognition, like, on the media, throughout the day, whatever. Like, all the stuff they're doing constantly. Like, right now, as we're talking, like, you know, last year I worked, I think there was, like, 2 million 911 calls. And only, like, 1% of those had, like, a use of force. That's in America? In the city of Pittsburgh. So. (laughs) 2 million? Yeah. So, it was, like, a million. It was, like, a, it was, like. Scott
0: was was the name of the guy, by the way. Okay. In
1: in North Charleston. Walter Scott, I think. Okay. So, yeah, it was, like, a million. And then, like, another million of just, like, you know, pulling up on a call and having someone, like, flag you down, and, like... Two million
0: calls for seven, what did he say, seven, 800 officers?
1: Yeah, something like that, right? So, now, and, like... His mind boggling. And there was only, I think, about, like, 70 use of forces out of all those calls. Out of those 70, I think 10 of them were deemed, like, you know, excessive force, and out of those 10, only two were deemed, like... Yeah, that it was a real success. problem. So that's like zero point zero 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 one percent of the. The big
0: one that I've been trying to figure out and get to the bottom of that I'm hoping to ask uh, Mosley about. I don't know if he'll know the answer, but um, whatever, I'll try to figure it out. There've been a bunch of deaths from the jail downtown,
1: where oh, wow. people are
0: like jumping off the roof that are in what? police custody. There've been three men who've died in the past year. That's insane in police custody with suicide jumping off the roof of the downtown police building. I don't know which one it is.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. I didn't hear that. Wild. I would like to hear that, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, so we'll see. I'll try to, I don't know. I I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. We'll see. He has office hours tomorrow at um, Blue Sky. I think it's like a, a bar restaurant in East Liberty. Okay. And... So maybe I'll try to pop over there. I saw him also at Selectus 50th, which oh, was nice. crazy. Yeah. One of the craziest things I've ever seen in Pittsburgh, without a doubt. The Thunderbird was Thunderbird's com- a cool spot. completely filled. That's awesome. From the very bottom floor yeah. to the rafters. Yeah. 100% full. Every balcony, every Insane. single stage. And it was only DJs. No drum kit. No guitars. Yeah. No, you know, no mics. That's awesome. Just Thunderbird's a cool steel, spot. Cool just Black spot. Steel on the mic, who's, I think, Black Steel has to be one of the best hosts in Pittsburgh, maybe yeah. ever. Insane. I mean, his mic presence, like his right. hosting, MCing was crazy. And then the other person who's really good, Femi. Yeah. Man, Femi on the mic. Yeah. Is nuts. Yeah. She's good. Man. Man. She was doing this uh, show with Dr. Dapp at, uh, spirit lounge called tall tees okay make sure you have fun guys yeah and she was leading this dance contest (laughs) just really really impressive mic presence yeah something that i hadn't seen in a long time that's awesome and and dap is really solid uh, on the turntables too they have like a video that plays on loop i kind of wish it was like music videos right the show like that that specific genre of throwbacks or they're doing like 2000s. Now he has this like 2010s party or whatever. But the 2000s were just so good for music videos. Yeah. I don't know if you ever got into that, that whole VJing. No, I never did.
1: It's a Honestly, lot. Honestly, like I, I It's a lot. when it first came out, I'm just like no one's coming here to look at a music video on the TV. <laughs> You know, that's just, that was my thought, but I, I right. never got into it.
0: Right, they want to meet girls, get drunk, yeah, right. meet girls. Right. I mean, it, it's
1: cool, though, like, in different locations, it's, it's I get it. You know what I mean? Like, right now, like, I'm at uh, Putt Shack on Thursdays. What's that? It's the new, like, mini golf down in the Strip. Um, you know, that would be something cool because they have a bunch of TVs. There's not a dance floor. People are just golfing. Like, I could see the v, the video DJs, like, having their stuff up there. I got 25,000
0: videos down on a hard drive, that you man. pass right by on the stairs. Jeez. Be a miserable no, fucking party, man. I mean, the project, like to not not a miserable party, a miserable project. Digging those things off the hard drive, right? Trying to decide if you want to, yeah, fuck that. Um, I I had to do it because I was DJing at the um 5801 in uh, Shady Side. I was a DJ there because I lived underneath. I lived in the basement for okay. a year, two years, whatever. All right, we've got to take a break and turn on this AC.
1: Yeah, I actually, we, yeah, I got to get out of here. You're done? Yeah. All right, time so, for
0: you to go rock?
1: Yeah, I got, actually, I actually got a haircut right down the street. Oh, good.
0: Three it's o'clock? Good.
1: Yeah. Really? Yeah, but he said hey, I can be a little late, so. All right, so
0: much you for know. the guest set.
1: I know, right? I think we got to, I think I got to come back, man. I think we got to do a follow up.
0: I mean, we barely got through. I feel like we, we just scratched the surface.
1: Right. I feel like we got to stay tuned. Episode two climax,
0: (laughs) yes, please. No, I'd love to have you back, man. And I'm looking forward to, um, we'll see if I can escape tonight and go see you guys. Yeah, for sure. Let's go, let's grab a picture really quick. Yep, all right, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you, (laughs) thank you, sir. You're sweaty as fuck. Gotta turn this shit on. (laughs) That's a crazy story, dude. Dude,